Hello, and welcome to the Week in Review. Uh, once again, I am not Michael Curzon. I'm SD Wicket. Uh, Michael is out today. I'm joined, as always, by Luke Perry. Luke, how are you? I, I'm very well. It, it, it's it's a shame you aren't here to answer the first question, so I'll I, I best comment on the weather. Bit bit temperamental today in, in the West Midlands. Hopefully the sun's out when this podcast episode is over. Yeah, it's... It's been right here. It's been sort of cloudy, then sunny, then cloudy, then sunny. So it's been a bit back and forth. And we're joined by old reliable William Parker. William, how are you, sir? Not bad. Making my return. Uh, weather here, East Midlands, very cloudy. No, no peep of sun today. Bit depressing. Yeah, I, I, I learned today that you're from Lincolnshire. I, 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 just, I, I don't know why, but I assumed you were Welsh. Oh, no. See, I only went to university uh, in Wales, but alas, no English. Well, from Lincolnshire. So. Well, fair enough. Anyway, let's, uh, let's uh, get into it. Uh, we'll start with you today, Luke. You've been looking at something that me and Michael discussed yesterday on what's going on. A rather unhinged tirade from a, a SAGE member saying that these new measures are the new normal. So, Luke, what's going on? Yeah, well, um, the, uh, the tirade from, from that SAGE member is um, well not, not an isolated incident. Now, um, we were first approaching that the final stage of the government's road roadmap which so far is scheduled to arrive on the 21st of june or freedom day as, as some have called it now 21st is cutting it very close it's my birthday on the 26th so following this very closely but our uh, prophets of doom in sage and their mainstream media lapdogs have, have uh, come to spoil the party now um one of the government's criteria for considering it safe to open was um, taking into account the appearance of a new COVID variant, which is relevant here given that the Delta slash Indian variant has now seemingly become a cause of concern for um, particularly the media. Uh, Sky News has published a piece today saying that the Indian variant is both 60% more transmissible, plus is more resistant to vaccines, which is the important one. But if you look at the small print, the, the effect it's having on the vaccines is negligible. It's a reduced effect of about four to eight percent and uh, some particularly in sage are saying that we're, we're on the verge of, of the fabled third wave and seems to be we're always on the edge of another wave and the, the media keeps sort of hammering up the hysteria as it's usually done it keeps rather selectively citing an increase in cases particularly those of the delta variant which now account for most new covid cases and emphasize its its effect on transmission but gloss over the actual seriousness of the situation which we should be looking at, looking at in a pandemic such as current death and hospitalization figures which are since may onwards roughly 10 people are dying of covid a week uh, this is from the government's own measurement so it includes people who probably had a heart attack within 28 days of a test this is why um nhs england has got a bit smart and has told hospital to differentiate between patients who are sick from covid or who are admitted to hospital due to other reasons but um, with SAGE and government advisors always looking to the future with, and with them complete with their still very inaccurate modelling, the, the current modelling, which, which what SAGE did predict to happen during this time, it's lower than the worst case scenario. Mm. Mm. There's about five scenarios that are a hell of a lot worse, but which haven't materialised. Yeah, this so is... we're, we're recording this on, on Friday and yesterday uh, seven people died. Um, some people by the government's um, method of calculating. So, yeah, it's not materialising in the one side that matters, which is people dying. Yeah. William? Well, it seems to me, I mean, looking at the, the figures, they seem to neglect the fact that the cases are mainly in the young people. 
So it might lead to a few hospitalizations, but they've already said we can treat this, it's manageable because it's not the elderly and vulnerable groups that are going into hospital. That's what would inflate the death toll, but that's not what we're seeing. Um, and, and it's weird to me because I feel like they've already got the data to know that opening up would be okay. Um, but it seems that they want more data. They always want more. And I don't, I think it's a bit ridiculous because we've already got the studies showing that, you know, the vaccines are still effective against the variant. So it all seems a bit hysteria to me, the usual, you know, figures. Mm. Mm. Uh, prophets of doom as i say it's the home stretch right it's like it's you know it's like these people want understand that as things are going their days of you know rule by decree are numbered so this is just i mean you know it's it's not really of any concern as i just said william it's it's mostly hitting younger people who the chance of surviving are above 99 percent. so it's yeah I, I i i hesitate to see a cause of concern here certainly and I remember speaking to um, Mark Harper on the Zoom, uh, and he actually said that there's a, there really is a lack of scrutiny going on with the way the government are doing this at the moment because the way the House of Commons is working is there's so many there's only a, a few members in there, it's already reduced numbers, and it's basically leading to them knowing what the questions are, who's going to come on, and there's not enough scrutiny. Whereas before, ministers would have to get their policy, go to the dispatch box, and justify it, and they're not really doing that now. So they sort of just come up with ad hoc decisions, you know, last second, and there's no real scrutiny of it. Mm-hmm. which is very concerning mm-hmm. so um luke we're here to mostly discuss the idea that um what we're experiencing now is going to go on indefinitely forever so what what did the sage member say and uh what do you think of that uh, I, I thought the sage member has a massive power trip and i think sam you, you hit the nail on the head these people have accumulated so much power since the passage of the coronavirus act they're not not going to give it up pandemic ends the government has to repeal the coronavirus act that removes its rule by decree the um the media are going to have to rely on funding from um the the damaged business sector and of course it's preferred to rely on the government and sage is going to lose all of its all of its credibility and um justification for um having this much involvement over our day-to-day lives It's, it's important to note, note that this is um, the, the the person in question is a health psychologist. She's not an epidemiologist. Yes, it, it's well. Uh, it, when you think about it, that 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 makes perfect sense. The government has relied on behavioural and psychological propaganda to whip people into line, and um, what, what what the sage member said that, that, that this will be the new normal. Hmm. Her justification was was pure hysteria. It's now that diseases diseases are, are a fact of human life we all know this all accept this but that you compared sort of preventing you from getting to the common cold to wearing a seatbelt in a car mm-hmm. yeah the the biggest cause of dying is being born but, um we've seen this kind of mentality in action recently i saw a video uh, i think it was yesterday or the day before from the tube in london where um police officers there are uh, quite a large number of them were in the station harassing anyone not wearing a mask meanwhile this is london we're talking about where there's you know a massive uptick in violent crime happening um it, the government just doesn't really seem to have its priority sorted out yeah, well and, and acro tyranny there's simplified but I, th- I think we've all, all seen the meme where it's it's got the uk country ball with with, with this thumb up and sunglasses and he's pointing at the viewer and it goes and when you when your police are pathetic and useless but you live in a nightmare police state and, and 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 that cartoon has only become more true over time that's and it's that's very true yeah <laughs> the, the, the the police now i mean the police have, have also gained because 
I think that the type of job it has, particularly in the modern days, it, it, it attracts those who want a power trip. It's much easier to, um, with four or five standard police officers, push someone around on, on, on the tube who's not wearing a mask than tackle gangs stabbing each other in Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. It sure makes the job a lot, a lot easier if um, they're sort of just you know, harassing people who aren't armed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else on matter? Uh, I guess I could mention the fact that, um, you, you know, these lockdowns, I think people assume that, you know, this will be the last one, they'll never use it again. But now they've used that policy tool, it's going to set a precedent now, because it's it's easier just to tell people stay at home than than look at other ways of, of tackling uh, yeah. viruses and, and waves. So it, there's every time, whether there's a flu epidemic or another disease, there'll always be a certain contingent of the NHS and uh, of scientists who will say, let's lock down again. Now, now we've done it, it's going to set this precedent where it'll keep happening. Yeah. Um, and it's like a cycle that we, we can't break almost. Yeah, we've opened Pandora's box on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, has there has there ever been a point in, in in British history where like hospitality needs permission to open? Even during the Blitz. I don't believe so. No. <laughs> People still had massive Christmas parties in the Blitz. Yeah, it's com- it is it it is completely unprecedented. <laughs> but you're right, William. The, the the real danger here now is that this the idea that any sort of crisis can be met with complete draconian and unchecked power from the government to tell you what to do and how to do it. We've opened that box now and that won't close for a very long time. Uh, and the, the, the biggest contingent in that is that many people love lockdowns. They've been terrified into accepting them because that they, they, they've been completely paranoid hmm. and that that's sort of that's that's developing. I know we talked about this last week. That's developed in the West for for a very long time, step by step, where where people become increasingly fearful for for, for themselves. This is where it's come from, and now that's materialised in emergency government policy. <laughs> and um, it, 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 we won't need the next pandemic to have a lockdown. People of its some environmental fanatics have called for lockdowns to um, fight climate change, even. <laughs> Or, or even after lockdown ends, there's still going to be a lot of people who still, you know, publicly abide by the old rules. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, you know, the, the 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 portion who or portion who have completely lost their minds in the last year and a half, they're still going to, you know, walk around with masks on in the next couple of years. Twenty percent have um COVID anxiety, whatever they're calling it. Oh yeah, COVID yeah, anxiety. coronaphobia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, I I've seen a lot of people that I knew and thought were quite level-headed before just utterly lose their minds my experience with, with people who uh, support lockdown measures is that they don't support them themselves i've seen that particularly mm. at university mm. they get that, that they argue with me saying oh we should um we should lock down it, it will save lives but that, honestly two hours later they're off out at someone's house party yeah i mean it's it's stated and stated in real preference I mean, I think people love to boss each other about, and I think maths are a big part of that. It's become like a tool of social conformity now. Like their actual effectiveness is fairly, ish, ish. it's not really very concrete, but, you know, everyone's always like, wear your mask, wear your mask. And if you dare go out without one, even if you've got an exemption, you know, you will get hounded by people. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that been quite concerning. Mm. It's, it's just blind dogma at this point. It's a... It, it, it's 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 not data. It's it's not dates. It's just clinging to something, clinging to safety. But again, it's still it's still hyper focused on things. You know, if these people, um, 
if it weren't sort of you know hit by some sort of psyops, they'd be they'd never get they'd never leave the house, they'd never get into a car ever again, they'd never you know eat anything ever again. God forbid they choke. Yeah, yeah it seems because there's many risks in life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it just seems like this risk has been put above all other risks now. Is like the one we have to focus on. It's like, well, what about other problems? You know, yeah. it's, it's just taking the focus away completely. I think. Mm -hmm. Mm. I mean, our, our, our age demographics is, is more likely to get a blood clot from from the covid jab than we are to wind up in an icu because of covid mm -hmm. oh. well uh we'll move along from the um from the symptom to the disease and um this week we saw the g7 gathering in cornwall william you've been taking a look at this what have you seen well i think it's been quite interesting to see what I can only describe as a return to the way it was before Trump was president. It just seems like a status quo type thing. And I think um, we've seen this build back better line uh, all over the place. And now it's become build back greener, um, which, you know, is quite interesting. I wonder who will be footing the bill for that one, um, outsourcing CO2, et cetera. Um, but uh, the other topic that's come up, I think, is um, the, the, the Northern Irish Protocol. Uh, the, the, apparently, they've got complete harmony on the issue, but I don't think I see that. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road with that one mm. but we've seen them both say they're committed to the good friday agreement but every politician says that it's just a tagline at this point um it's also it's also north america's business it's a bilateral oh, no, it's a bilateral agreement between the uk and the republic of ireland it's, uh, and uh, yeah and, and ireland it's not yeah it's it's <laughs> it's not um i mean this is the point with this uh, sort of special relationship you know the pm himself said you know it makes us seem quite needy and weak it just it makes us kind of subservient and if you let the americans have power over everything that they will you know they will get involved in all in all issues because um, they like to be sort of the world police um and i think rather interestingly we saw them sign an atlantic charter which you know we saw uh, churchill and fdr uh, sign at the post-world war ii and they've signed a new one now and it's in this post-covid world and it's all quite vague you know climate change stuff and it's all there's nothing really concrete in there but it's rather interesting to see them equivalent covid as a crisis with with the world war it's almost like they're trying to link that you know which i thought was uh quite interesting um but i mean the whole thing i think i mean it's still got to go on there's still more days of it but it's all been very vague lacking mm. substance you know mm. um and even though boris had objected to the term special relationship they used it many times during the um speeches in the press conferences etc so and also also that that bizarre twitter photo op between uh johnson and biden oh with the with the uh, elbow bump even though i'm pretty sure that do they have to get tested before they went in i mean probably i mean both, I mean, both vaccinated as well yeah it seems very pointless to me <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a performance it's a performance yeah, it is. um it seems like we're now going to spend the next several years back under america's boot i mean you know give him credit at least at least trump kind of you know let us get on with things mm, definitely i think um trump was trying to return uh, the sort of idea of nation state sovereignty where i don't see that with um with biden and co it seems like there's now a globalization coming back in again you know we saw the was agreed to a, a tax rate mm. instead of us deciding that ourselves we we're all agreeing it as mm. as contingent countries which seems mm. a bit weird to me yeah and also you know biden's brought the us back into the paris climate accord he's you know re reinvested in the who um yeah i mean this is a very internationalist president who's gonna you know wield different institutions for america's perceived interests um yeah and i, I just i can just see us slipping back into the bush blair years definitely and it seems like whatever action the president one president takes it'll be completely reversed by the other so i think it'll just be a, a 
back and forth constantly. But I mean, people have made the point that, that they used to think that Boris was close to Trump politically. I never thought that. I think that Biden and Boris are really close politically. I think they're much more mm. similar mm. in many ways. Uh, and I think we've seen that um, recently. Yeah, John- Johnson Johnson hedged his bet during the election on Biden winning. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. One, th- one thing I found bizarre about the G7 is that it, it seemed to focus entirely, at least from what I saw on the meetings of uh, Joe Biden and Boris Johnson. I didn't really see anything about the, the other leaders there. Nothing, nothing about Trudeau, nothing about Macron, nothing about Merkel, nothing about the EU who are there for some reason. I mean, the last thing I saw was Merkel arriving, and that's all I saw of that. Mm. Um, so it has, they seem to want to focus on it. You know, I think um, the media loved it because I think they want there to be some drama over the Northern Irish Protocol. They kind of, they're really pushing that, I've noticed, um, regardless of what's actually being discussed. Um, I've noticed that. Mm. I mean, Biden seems to be just causing drama over the Northern Ireland. Just, I mean, I know, I know Americans like to think they're Irish, but come on, give mm. it a break. Mm. Yeah, he's a, he's a real uh, plastic paddy, they call him. Yeah. It's with these oh, international institutions, with the UN, with World Health Organization, that, and the G7, G20, like, all these countries are invited, but there's two, maybe three key players, and one of which is always the United States. They've got the money, they've got military in all across the world, they can pull the strings. And um, I mean, we 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 kind of saw saw that with Trump, he he disrupted that, and um, that caused a lot of chaos. Where if America was supposedly this isolated nation, that wouldn't have happened. Mm. But since the, the the Cold War, America has embedded itself uh, li- literally across the world, not not just in the West. We, we've um, Biden is just the successor to that. Mm. Doesn't have to build anything; he can just capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's you know he's just the latest sentiments of the American political aristocracy, essentially. Yeah. yeah, we should probably address the elephant in the room, which is that Boris Johnson uh, flew down to Cornwall. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is rather interesting. If they're going to make the argument about you know climate change, all this lecturing stuff, I think that's quite quite funny to see. Yeah, um, yeah they all go to planes and yeah. He should have he should have pulled a, a, a Greta Thunberg and sailed there. But yeah. <laughs> Greta Howday. Private lands end than dinghy. <laughs> yeah, why did he think that was a good idea? Um, or, or even not even think that that might be made fun of. You know, he's, he's, he's going to go there like Chamberlain returning from <laughs> with Hitler with a white paper saying, you know, green. green. CO2 in our times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ecological recovery in our times. Bear in mind, he's pulled in on a bloody 747. Yeah. Mm. I need that bigger plane. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll we'll keep it on the G seven. If anything, uh, if anything sort of interesting pops up, and we'll uh, we'll address it next week with Michael. Um, however, we'll move along again to my story for the afternoon, which is so I'm focusing on counterculture, and there's two stories that I want to go into here. The first is the um, excommunication of Ollie Robinson from international cricket. He was uh, found to have tweeted some edgy things when he was a teenager, I think like 17 or 18, and uh, now his career is in tatters. And he's been, although he, although his club did back him, he has to, chosen to take some time away from the sport to recover from what I can imagine are probably lifelong emotional and mental wounds. Yeah, this this would be traumatic to, to the extreme. Hmm. And this, I think, 20 years ago, would definitely class as, as a form of abuse. I mean, the English and Welsh cricket board, in suspending him, literally said they wanted to make an example of him. They wanted to throw him out into the cold. 
and uh, they've he's taken an indefinite leave from county cricket. This was his own choice. He, he wasn't booted from it. And I think he's basically dealing with the effect of um, mob rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, these people think you can't change your views. You know, what what you thought in the present, what you said of the pre- in the past, sorry, is what you now think in the present. And it just seems a bit ridiculous. Well, well, these, these people Twitter. think that there's an eternal present. You commit a sin in the past, which wasn't a sin in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of is judicially transferred to the present. And, and I can't even call it the trial of public opinion because, to be honest, the public would probably think it's a bit ridiculous that he's been suspended as well. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's these people on these committees that make the decisions, isn't it? Really, mm-hmm. with with pressure from from activists. So it, it's yeah. trial by activists. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, also, I don't know. I, I saw the tweets and like they didn't indicate to me that he had you know deeply held you know scientific racist views. I don't think he you know was deep into you know race and IQ. They're just stupid tweets. They're just stupid like dumb things that that people would say back then like it's i don't know it doesn't tell me that, that the guys are you know a, a, a passionate racist they just i mean yeah. young people do dumb stupid and edgy things all, all the bleeding time it's just nowhere in human history has this been so documented mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the 50s people would be done by um hooking up doing cocaine but yeah that wasn't ever on social media <laughs> no yeah, it's so hypocritical too. I mean, everyone at some point has said something that's stupid they can get in a lot of trouble for. You know, no, no one, no one's innocent about this. No, but it just shows that anyone born mid nineties onwards is just doomed to suffer from this one day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think it, you can, I don't think you can go for the whole life without happening to you at some point because the this social media stuff is getting more permanent and it's going to stay. So you know, I, th- I think it's going to be a trend that we keep seeing. I mean, people have been handed out of work for stuff like this, haven't they? Tweets from years ago and fired by the boss. And it's a similar sort of thing happening. It's, it just feels so cruel too, because the, the, the tweets were like leaked while he was making his debut, like while he was on the field, you know, playing for his country for the first time, people were actively trying to tear that away from him because of, you know, because of what, a decade old indiscretion? Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's, 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 it's not even like it's misguided morality. That just feels like it was a targeted takedown of someone. It was targeted. I mean, this would be one of the what I would use as as a, as a perfect example of a um, cancel culture affecting the young. But no, about a month ago, there's probably an even better example of this. It, it took place in America. Surprise, surprise, and it was a contestant on um, the show US Idols. It, it was a singer. He had ma- he'd made it through, I think, sort of the quarterfinal, the final, whatever. But a, an old 10 second video came up and uh, it, it showed him and his mates falling around, which was either a clan hood or a horror movie. I don't really remember which. Well, what mattered is he was booted off American Idol when he was 16. The video was taken, the under 10 second video was taken when he was 12. He, he, was, he was 12 years old. That video probably started in 2017 at the height of mass media. And um, yeah, it's young people are screwed. End of story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that we can't forget, the fact that we, we can't forgive, you know, children and teenagers for just being morons when they're young, which, is, which everyone is. Yeah. You, you nailed it, Luke, when you said, you know, everyone's guilty of this. Just this generation, it's, it's written in ink, not pencil. I mean, it used to be the mantra was that you learn from mistakes, right? But I don't think people are even allowed to do that now, no. it seems. And the worst thing you can do is apologise, because once you apologise and you sort of swear fealty, that's it. They got you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's an you admission of things. guilt. He'll, 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 if he wants to come back, he'll have to go on a nationwide apology tour. 
to oh probably yeah i mean got him yeah it gives these people a sense of power, so they'll do it to other people if they know they can uh, get away with yeah, it. You yeah, because yeah, they, they, they won. Okay. That's what fueled it. Every victory fuels this thing further. Um, but as well as, as Ollie Robinson, who I'm sure, again, we'll come back to in the future, um, this week also saw a, a, a rather bizarre addition to the cancelled list. That is uh, Her Majesty the Queen, who um, the students at Magdalen College at Oxford uh, voted to take down her portrait because of its colonial connotations. Obviously, the Queen uh, oversaw the complete uh, dismantling of the British Empire, diplomatically. And also, it later transpired that the student behind the push was an American. Nothing surprising, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I, I think it's just looking for targets for the sake of looking for targets. It's, it's a permanent revolution. If the revolution runs out of enemies, then it's over, and they devour themselves. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would say just tell them that the Queen saw that the decolonization of literally all five continents, but that's no, not. Yeah, of course. But um, it, it's really irritating though to see like this really narrow-minded contingent of you know Marxist snooty professors and students. They seem to be just running these universities. Like it doesn't matter what the majority of people think or the majority of students think that they've got the power over these unions, these committees, and they can make these really ridiculous decisions. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah. Also, we also saw um, it's 150 Oxford dons are now going to refuse to teach because the university refused to tear down a statue of uh, Cecil Rhodes. Blood solution put on Bornbrook Live a couple of days ago. If they refuse to teach, just get rid of them. Waste the taxpayers' money. Yeah, if they want to leave, they can leave. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're allowed under the uh, Hippocratic Oath to uh, refuse to teach over statues. Um, also, going, going back to the Queen and apparently it, her being a, 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 the royal family being a tool of some unspeakable evil, um, recently a company was uh, forced to uh, apologise because they included an image of the late Prince Philip in their, uh, in, in, a, in a staff email, which was then complained about as if it caused offence. The monarchy is the defining uh, apolitical institution of this country. And it, when I hear people say that they're traumatised by it, I don't, agree, I don't believe them. I think they're doing it in bad faith. This is just, again, like, as you were saying, like, this is just, you know, revolutionary. Yeah. I don't think most anyone would really be alive to be traumatised by the, the British Empire, to be honest. Um, but it's just interesting with that Prince Philip one. It's um, it, it probably wasn't that many students complaining, but uh, you know, as soon as someone starts an outrage, the university sort of bows down um, and says, "Oh, sorry, we apologise." You know, and it just like they just seem to be scared. I think what they care about the most is their own self-image, and if they think that's going to be damaged, they'll do anything. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, th this is all imported from America, and you and you see what happens on American campuses where teachers can be, uh, at times of being you know held hostage or chased off campus by you know armed thugs really um yeah these people are, are just themselves but in doing so they've just they've handed over the keys to the asylum we, we will talk about i mean we, we talked previously about young people being um thick stupid and have no idea about the long-term consequences it happens on the other side as well let's not forget all these campus mob outrages the thing is with with universities here i mean i've heard this from my own universities that they believe in free speech but they also balance it against not harming other students now harm is a completely emotional it's an emotional feeling it's it's fickle it's it's subjective it can't be it can't be it can't be proven objectively mm -hmm. let them be court law and um 
given the campus politics nowadays, it's easily weaponized. I've, I've seen that happen at university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we're sort of handing uh, moral custodianship to the most sensitive people in society. Yeah. That's not going to end on. I think it's sad to see it happen at Oxford, though. You know, this is meant to be the height of academia mm-hmm. and it's uh, mm-hmm. really falling from grace, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Stephen yeah, Fry I mean, said in Blackhead at Oxford is a complete dumb. <laughs> It's turned turn into that way. The only thing keeping Oxford from being a dump is the nice architecture. Yeah, they'll have that torn down. The next modern <laughs> architecture will be built up. <laughs> well, it's turn into concrete within a generation. Yeah. Oh God, don't don't even get me started on that. No, I mean that. I think that would probably be the final death blow in Oxford's uh, storied history yeah. as a as a hub of intellectualism. At the end of an empire. Hmm. 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 Well, on uh, on on that doom laden uh, prophecy, we'll uh, we'll leave it there for another week. Um, possibly felt the absence of Michael this week, but uh, we'll see him again next week. If you've you listened to th- this far, thank you for listening. Thank you to Luke and William for taking part, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers. Very well. Bye.